Praise the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. We thank God for 27 years of his faithfulness in our life. We give glory to his holy name. Uh, I will take my prayer point from Isaiah 58, verse 11. I read, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your need in his son's cautious land and will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. That is for us. The word of God is truth. And the Lord has promised us that he will be with us. He will guide us always. He has been guiding us since day one that Christ made tabernacle women of royal destiny established. We give glory to God for what God has done in Christ's faith tabernacle women of royal destiny. And the word of God said that we will be like a well water garden. God is so faithful. We are always, he'll never leave us. We are always like a well water garden because our mother in the Lord has blessed us with a lot of, a lot of word, a lot of word of encouragement, a lot of example. So we are well water and like a spring whose water never fails. We will never fail according to the word of God. We will go from strength to strength. So it shall be in our life. So I want us to lift up our voice tonight and pray according to the word that God will make us to be like a well water garden, like a spring whose water never fails. We will be well water in the name of Jesus. That out of abundance that the God of heaven has deposited in us, we will flow like a river. That our life will be a testimony. And we will be a, a, a letter to look, to speak the word of God in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, everlasting Father, I thank you, Lord, I glorify your name. For your word is truth. For you say you will, be, you will guide us always. And you will satisfy our need in a son's precious land. And we will, you will strengthen our frame. And we will be like a well water garden. Like a spring whose water never fails. Father, so we shall be in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, we glorify your name. We thank you for our mother in the Lord, whom you have been using since 27 years ago, to be a blessing unto our soul, to nurture us, to teach us. Father, we cannot thank you enough. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We glorify your name, for you have increased us in your word. We thank you even for our Father in the Lord. We thank you for the opportunity you have given us to be in the alloying. Father, we say thank you. We thank you for this woman of royal destiny this year. Father, Lord, woman beautified by his glory. Father, we say thank you. We thank you for you have beautified us with your glory. We thank you for every eye that see us see your glory. We thank you for you have made us a shining example. We thank you, God, Father, for your word dwell in us. Father, we say thank you. We give you honor. We commit your daughter unto your hand, whom you have put your word in her mouth. As she mount to speak, Father, Lord, out of abundance that you have deposited in her, she will flow like a river. My God, my Father, the word that will come from her mouth will be seasoned with salt in the name of Jesus. And we lift our mother in the Lord, Mrs. Reverend before you. And we thank God for the word that will come from her mouth. Father, she will speak wisdom. She will speak knowledge. She will speak understanding. And we will be blessed. Make us a dweller of your word, O God of heaven. My Lord, my Father, we thank you. We give you honor and praise for what you are going to do tonight. For we will be blessed. Father, we thank you. We give you honor. Thank you, everlasting Father. 
Thank you for making us a dwell of your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I will, I will now be handing over to Sister Oweye. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, good evening, Daddy. Good evening, Mommy. And thank you for this opportunity. I'm not taking it lightly at all. Um, I just want to say thank you for everything you have been doing in the body of Christ. And um, as we go tonight, I trust God that God will go with us in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm going to look into the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. I'll be talking very briefly for two minutes about godly woman. Um, the godly woman, as we all know, is a woman of value, far more than rubies. I'm not going to read the whole of 31 because it's a bit long. Valuable to her husband, not only his helpmate and mother of his children, not only made food available for the children and the household, but also to the servants. Dresses her household, even in scarlet, when a lot of people will hold back, but she does not hold back. Profitable in all she does, and in everything she lay her hands on, she profits. And her husband is respected even at the gate. Why? Because of the kind of woman she is. We thank God for this grace upon a woman like that. When we look at our lives in the body of Christ, we understand and we know that our mommy and daddy, they are fed up so much. There is so much they virtually dish out to us. The one thing I really don't want us to think about tonight is to think that we will continue to be like a sponge. That will be taken in, taken in, taken in, and not willing to take out. We need to be very, very conscious of that so that as we are receiving, we are ready to give out as well to other people. This is a convention. I will say happy convention to every one of us, especially at this time that God has called us. And the anniversary is coming in an interesting time of the year. We thank God because he kept us. And even at this very moment, a lot of us might still be thinking, that, oh, what about that? What about this? What about that? But we are here. Hallelujah to his holy name. I want us to go into the prayer point for tonight. My prayer point is very short. It's very simple. That God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for counting us worthy to be part of this house at this very time of the year. Father, we thank you because you are a good God. We magnify your name, O God, because you are a faithful one. There is no one like you, O God. Thank you, Father, for watching over us all as a family, as a church, and as a household. Father, we give you praise. We magnify your name because there is no one like you, O God. Thank you, Father, for the divine leadership you have given us in the house. Thank you for our daddy, Apostle T.B. Williams, and our mother, Reverend Omar. We thank you for your grace upon their lives. We thank you because you have always been there and you've been watching and keeping and continue to watch over them at all times. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O God, because you are a good God. Thank you, Father, for the grace you have bestowed upon each and every one of us. As when women in your house, Father, you are always there for us. We do not need to shout or scream before we know that you hear us. There is no time we raise our voices unto you, O God, asking you for one thing or the other that you do not answer. Father, we honor your name. We bless you, O God, because you are faithful in all your ways. Thank you for your faithfulness, O Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us all. Thank you for our families. 
Thank you for everything you have put in our hands. We are not taking you for granted in any way, oh God, because you are divinely positioned us. You have kept us. You watch over us daily because you are so good in every way. Father, we give all the glory. We thank you for divine appointments you have given to each and every one of us. In your house, in our homes, in our places of work, wherever we find ourselves, oh Lord, you are more than sufficient for us. We give you all the glory, oh Lord, because you are a good God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness at all times. In good times, we thank you. In interesting times, we thank you. In not so good times, Father, we thank you. Because we have no other thing to do, oh God, but to lift your name at all times, to release your goodness into the atmosphere so that our faithfulness will not be undermined. Father, we honor you tonight as we go into your word. Be the day fourth of our convention. Father, we release ourselves totally unto you, Daddy, that you take absolute control. You do what only a God like you can do. You've always been doing good, O oh Lord, and we know you will continue to do it, O oh Lord. You are God that never sleeps nor slumber. You do not go weary because you are faithful in everything you lay before us. Father, we submit ourselves totally. We stand aside for you tonight, O oh Lord, Daddy, that you take over. Take absolute control of this meeting tonight. Let grace flow. Let your divine enablement, Daddy, let it flow. Do what only a God like you can do, O oh Lord, and let your name alone. Be exalted, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I will call on Pastor Tijani now. Ma, please take over. Good evening, all. Thank you for joining us again. Happy convention to all the women and all our men, our fathers and brothers and uncles joining us tonight. It gives me great pleasure to introduce our first speaker tonight, she is one of the mothers in the household of faith. She has written many books on Christian leadership. And prior to joining her beloved husband in the kingdom, she was a midwife. She is the wife of Dr. Reverend Dr. John Apami. Together, they are the overseers of Global Revival Gospel Ministries Incorporated. And Reverend Mrs. Apami is the president of Peculiar Women Ministry. We enjoyed administration on Tuesday, and she will be continuing on administration today, which she started on Tuesday, titled Equipping Ministers' Wives and Female Leaders on How to Efficiently Play Their Roles in Ministry, the Community, and in the World at Large. Fasten your seatbelt and ready to take off. Please join me with joy in our hearts as we welcome Reverend Mrs. Clara Apami. Let's put our hands together, please. You're welcome, ma. Opportunity to minister to God's people. I want to appreciate our daddy and mommy, A.T.V. Williams. Thank you so much for believing in us. Thanks so much for giving us opportunities to express God's gifts. Thank you so much for believing that uh, I can deliver. I so much appreciate this opportunity, and I pray that God will keep increasing you on every side, and God will reward your labor of love. Thanks so much. I appreciate the organizers of this program. 
appreciate you all. Thanks for the invitation. And I want to appreciate all my audience. Thanks for listening. I pray that if God you have come to hear, we will definitely speak to you through me in the name of Jesus. I want us to pray. Father, thank you for such an opportunity to declare your word, to declare your counsel. I'm just an instrument in your hands. I pray, Lord, that you flow through me to reach out to your people. Use me as an instrument, O Lord, to touch the lives of your people, to instruct your people, to give them direction, and also to command them on issues that has to do with their personal lives. I pray, Lord, that at the end of this program, there will be a turnaround in the lives of many people. Thank you, Father, for fulfilling your will and your purpose in every life that is listening to me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Yesterday, we talked about um, the need for us to have a personal devotion to God and also to have a personal development if we really want to impact lives and if we need to play our roles effectively in the ministry, community, and the world at large. I also said, number two, the need for us as women to love and submit to the authority of our husbands. When we talk about love, we say love has more to give than to take. And when you read through the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us more about how to love. And we also talk about her submission, the need for we wives to submit to our husbands and to respect them while our husbands too are expected to love us. Number three, I thought about our roles in the church, the need for us to teach the younger women and also to mentor them. Number four, I said uh, the need for us to take permission from our husbands if we have new ideas or you have a fresh vision you want to introduce, you take permission from your husband before you go ahead. You receive his um, blessing before you go ahead. Number five, I say do whatever the church assigns you. Whatever assignment you are given to do, do it without failing. Number five, uh, number six, I said be a model or an example to the church and the society. Your lifestyle matters. Then number seven, I say husbands should set a standard in the church for his wife to be respected. If you want your wife to be respected in the church and honored, you have to set the standard. Because so many people in the church, if they can't get at you, the husband, they, they will want to, uh, they, they want to give it to your wife. They want to retaliate through your wife. And so you need to protect your wife. You need to uh, defend her and also uh, speak well of her in the church. Then I said, um, don't go into full time as a wife if, if your ministry is young and your husband is already on full time. You need to bring in income to help the church. So many homes today have challenges because of lack of finance. Some of them even go to the point of divorce because they are able to meet needs and the wife can no longer cope. 
So it's important that the wife is engaged if the man is fully into ministry. So my emphasis for tonight is how to effectively play our roles that will positively affect our community and the world at large. What we need to do to affect our community, you know, and the world at large. Uh, I'll be reading from First Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 4 to 5, it says, A bishop should be one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? The new Bible commentary revised explains it thus. It says, capacity for effectively controlling others will not find expression in church oversight if it is lacking in a man's handling of his children. So it means if your home is not well managed, the potential in you to manage the church will not be fully expressed. If only you can take time to manage your home well, then it says that the potential in you to manage the church will be fully expressed. So your primary assignment is to your home as a minister. If you are able to, to, to run your home well, you know, it enlarges your capacity to, to run the church well. It means uh, you will do better if your home is doing well. If your home is peaceful, your home is you know, it's a model. You will, you will, you will get more results in ministry. So, if you are not doing well at home, somehow it will reflect on what you do in the ministry. So, the first point I will mention, I have three points. The first I will mention is that whatever God does in the community and the society is on the strength of successful marriage. If your home is successful, it has a way of uh, affecting the community positively. It has a way of helping the community to, you know, to, to learn what it is to have a, a, a healthy home, a healthy family. So if as a minister your home is healthy and you are all happy and then you, you are a model, to the church, people see you and uh, admire your home, admire members of your family. When you do that, it has a way of affecting the community positively and even the world at large. So we need to concentrate on uh, the uh, health of our home. And from the scripture we have read, it says a bishop should be one that ruled well his own house. We should be able to rule well the let that be your primary assignment as a woman. Let it be your primary assignment as a man that you, you, you make time for your family. Most ministers hardly have time for their families. And the Bible says that's where to start from. If you are able to, to have a, 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 you have a, a healthy home, it has a way of uh, increasing your capacity to to run the church. 
So that should be our primary focus. Make time for your family. I heard of a, a, a pastor's wife who went to the church and queued with members of the church to see her husband. And uh, she was on the queue. When it was her turn, she went to see the husband and she sat where people sit for counseling. And the husband was wondering, uh-huh, can I help you? What, why are you? what are you doing here? Why are you sitting here? So the woman said, of course, I've come for counseling. Since you don't have time for me at all, and I need to be counseled. I have issues. I have needs. I have uh, problems. And I, I need somebody to talk to. Since you don't have my time at all. And now, like a church member, I want you to spend time with me here in the church. I want you to attend to me. I want you to, to counsel me just as you've been doing to others. That was very, very shameful and embarrassing. And I tell you, there are pastors' wives like that that are seeking for opportunity to have their husbands time. There are some children too who complain a lot. I've had to counsel a lot of children, ministers' children who come to me and say, Mommy, Daddy doesn't have time for us. And uh, some of them feel their daddies are Father Christmas outside. That uh, several people will go to their daddy seeking for help. They, before their eyes, they will see their daddy removing money from their pockets and giving out to members of the church while at home they don't even want to eat. So let charity begin from home. Let's make time with our family members. Let's, let's sit down and chat with them. Let's make time for them. That's, you know, I really love my husband for, for so many things. He has time for us. He has time for me. He has time for my children. You know, he, he sits down, we gist, we talk, we laugh, and all that. And I so much enjoy it. He makes time for me. Sometimes he's, he's, he's uh, watching a TV program, and I'm talking to him. He will, he will reduce the volume because he wants to hear what I'm telling him. You know, he gives me attention, and it's a lot of encouragement. Pastors' wives want their husbands beside them. Women leaders, I'm sure your husband too wants your attention. So make time for your husbands, and husbands make time for your wives. Let them not uh, find solace somewhere else. Let them not have somebody else giving them such time that should be given at all. So let's strengthen our marriages. I will not speak much on that because Saturday is reserved for that topic. So I won't be talking much about the, about marriage. God is the originator and inventor of marriage and has designed it to be the cement that holds the society together. Marriage has been designed by God to be the cement that holds the society together. So if all marriages succeed, the society will be peaceful and a better place to live in. So when couples raise healthy homes, it will positively influence the community and the society. And it will facilitate the spread of the gospel. If every home is healthy, especially homes of ministers, then if the, the home of the minister is healthy, of course, he will influence the church positively 
to have healthy homes. Most ministers whose homes are not healthy, they have problems preaching on the home. And because they are not preaching on the home, the, the families in the church also have, they develop problems. They, have, they, they, they too are not healthy enough to stand. And, and, and because of that, it, it has a way of affecting the community negatively and also the, uh, the world at large. So ministers, let's make our home our priority. Let's make time for our homes. Let's make time to build relationships in the home. That will help the church to also have healthy home. And it will also help to spread the gospel to the, the, the community. Because in a situation where a pastor has told me, in fact, I'm even tired of this home because we are ministers, but neighbors will have to be coming to ask, what is happening? You know, because they exchange words, they, 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 they fight. I mean, ministers and neighbors will have to come around to separate them, to ask what is happening. You can imagine such an embarrassing situation where our community, community members will be coming to settle a pastor's home. So we really need to make time to keep our home healthy, keep it strong, so that it can positively influence the community, even our neighbors. I, I, there's a testimony of a, of a woman that blessed me. She said, um, you know, uh, there was a time that they, they didn't have what to eat. So the neighbors realized that this family doesn't have what to eat, but they were so surprised that this family that doesn't have what to eat will wake up in the morning, they will sing and sing and dance, and they are so happy. And then the neighbors were wondering, what kind of family is this? And that they will not even go to their neighbors to beg for anything. If they don't have what to eat, even the children, the children understood, you know, the situation, and the, the children will not even go to neighbor's house to eat. They will stay in their house. When it is time for lunch, there is no food. They will see the family bring water, they will drink. And the, the, the neighbors were, you know, they were so surprised that there can be such a, a, a strong family that can endure, you know, uh, poverty. Can, I mean, can, can bear poverty and uh, not be moved by it. So one of the neighbors approached uh, this um, family. That and asked, see, we've been observing you for, for a long time now, and I, I just can't, we just cannot explain. Why are you people so excited and happy even when you don't have anything? So it was then the lady sat her neighbor down and said, come, Jesus made a difference. And she had the opportunity to preach to her. So that's how we can affect our community. When, when neighbors begin to see you, Living a, you know, separated a life that is different from the from the life they are living. They can see Jesus in in the family. It will it will motivate them to want to you know give their lives to Jesus and also to want to experience what you have experienced. So this is why we really need to give attention to our homes, give attention to your children, 
give attention to your spouse. We make time for our children. We sit down, we talk, we just, we laugh and all that. That is a, a model. That's a good example that people can see and then want to invite. So let's, let's concentrate on our homes before the ministry because that's your primary ministry. If you can uh, win them to Jesus and also win them to heaven, I tell you, you have gained. So you can't go and gain the whole world and lose your family. Your family is your number one assignment and that should be your priority. Once you can gain your family, your family will help you to gain the world. Your family will support you to gain the world. Your family will encourage you to gain the world. So gain the family. They will spend time to pray for you. They will spend time to encourage you when you are getting discouraged. They will follow you all through. And, and when other people are leaving the church, you can be sure your family will be there. They will leave you. So it is it's vitally important that you make time for your family. Then um, to strengthen your marriage, it's very, very necessary that you keep your, the covenant you made with your spouse. When you are getting married, sometimes the, uh, the wedding day, people don't really pay, pay attention to the vows they make. They don't really, it seems they, they don't really understand that it's a vow they were making when they were making such professions during wedding. Say after me, from today, you know, they, they, they make professions, they, they make promises. I will love you, I will submit to you, you know, and all that. I will take care of you until they do us part. You made so many promises on your wedding day. Some of us don't pay attention to, to what we are confessing. You are making a covenant. You are going into a covenant with a man that I will live my life with you until death do us part. So to strengthen your, uh, your, your marriage, there will be need for you to keep remembering this covenant you have made with your spouse. You know, covenants are entered into to reassure the other person that you will not break your agreement to love, submit, and to care for each other until death. Do you part? So that covenant is to give the other person assurance. The, 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 the confession I make, the promise I make is to give my partner an assurance that I will not, I, I will not fail him. I will be with him all the days of my life until death. Do us part. That's a very strong promise. So if, if I promise I will submit to you, I will love you, I will care for you all the days of my life, until death do us part. I should always remember this covenant, this promise I have made to my spouse, and keep it. You know, one interesting thing is that uh, we are in a covenant relationship with God. And God keeps his own part of covenant. And he's expecting us to, to be committed to that covenant of obeying him. So there are scriptures that uh, talks about uh, uh, the covenant uh, relationship we have with God. Now let me read from um, Psalm chapter 89 verse 34. Psalm 89 verse 34 says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. That is God say, uh, I mean speaking. My covenant will I not break 
know, alter the thing that is that is going out of my lips. God is not a covenant breaker, and we are His children, so we should not be covenant breakers. Don't make promises with your spouse. That's why before you marry anybody, take your time to be sure that you'll be able to live with this person all the days of your life. You have to take time to make that decision. So when if God says he doesn't break his covenant, we should be children. We, should, we are his children and we should follow his footsteps. We shouldn't break covenants that are made. Why people go into covenant is to be sure of the other person. I'm making this promise. I'm just telling you I will not break it. I'm just telling you I will be there for you all the days of my life. And the other person is also reassuring me that, no, me too, I will be there for you. Then there should never be a time when I will want, not want to break it. So covenant is meant to be kept. Um, God has given the church an example to follow. The church should be in a position to teach the world how not to break covenants. We are in a position to teach the world how not to break covenants. So there's no reason why a pastor will want to divorce his wife or a, a, the pastor's wife will say, uh-uh, I'm no longer interested. We are to teach the world how to keep covenant. We are to teach the world how not to break our promise. We are to teach the world how to keep our hope until death do us part. Now I will also read Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandment to a thousand generations. God keeps to his promise. You can look at the promise he made to Abraham many, many years ago. God is following up that promise into eternity. God does not break his word. If he has made a promise, he keeps his promise, and we are children of the Most High God, we should follow his footsteps. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 9, Deuteronomy 29 verse 9 says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant, and do them that he may prosper in all that he do. Keep the words of this covenant, and do them that he may prosper in all that he do. So, the, the, I mean, if we keep God's covenant, if we keep the words of the covenant, God says he will be our God, and we are his people, and so we should keep his commandments. So if we keep God's commandments, they are meant to make us to prosper. So if you made a promise to your spouse that you'll be there for your spouse all the days of your life, on, I mean both sides, and your husband, too, is committed to that promise. You are supposed to prosper as a family, as a result of this covenant you have made with each other. If you keep to the words of this covenant you have made with each other, your home will prosper. There's no devil from the pit of hell can break your home. No power of hell can break your home. If only you can keep the words of the covenant, that promise you made to each other, if you can keep it, no devil from the pit of hell can interfere with the health of your home because God will defend you. Hallelujah. So covenant is a binding agreement between a man and a woman to live the rest of their lives together 
until death parts them. And as we can see in Malachi chapter 2 verse 14, he says, I mean, he says God hates divorce. God does not uh, encourage, you know, the breaking of that covenant because God was there as a witness when you were making this vow. God was there as a witness when you were promising your spouse that you'll be there for each other. So God does not encourage, you know, uh, people breaking their promises. So covenants are kept. Covenants are kept when you have the fear of God, when the woman has the fear of God, the man has the fear of God, and when both of you love God and you are and, and you desire to obey God. You know, you love God and you and you love obeying Him. You realize that uh, your home will will stand. Your home will stand. When you obey God, you are honoring Him. When you obey Him, you are honoring Him. So if 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 your uh, covenants are not kept, then, then there's no point to going to church and making such vows. There's no point because the, 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 if, if the strength of that vow is that both of you mean it. You mean what you are saying and, uh, and you are ready to keep to that promise. So it is important that if possible, you go back and check what, are, what, what did I promise my spouse? on that wedding day. And then you begin to see what you can do. Some of us use wedding ring as a seal of that promise to keep reminding you that um, I have I've gone into a covenant relationship with somebody and that covenant should not be broken. So covenants are kept. Otherwise, it's not what it is. There's no point going into, you know, taking of vows when it's not going to be kept. That's the first point. Number two, avoid divorce. I said number one, your home must be healthy. If it is to affect the community and the world at large, keep your home healthy. Number two, avoid divorce. Avoid divorce. Because it distorts the picture given about the relationship between Christ and the church. It distorts the picture because the church, you know, must submit to the authority of Jesus. We submit to the authority of Jesus just as a wife submits to the authority of her husband. So the church is the bride and Christ is the crew. And so we are into a a covenant relationship, the church is into a covenant relationship with Christ. And we are not expecting divorce. <laughs> Christ will not divorce his church. It's a permanent relationship. And so when you begin to think about divorce, you are distorting that picture of how the home should, how the relationship should be. Our relationship with Christ is, is a permanent one. We are not expecting Christ to divorce us, not for any reason. He seeks opportunity to keep that relationship by forgiving us. Because each time you go to God, when you break his promise, you go to him. I'm sorry. You know, he embraces you. He's always looking for opportunity to strengthen our covenant relationship with him. So divorce is, I mean, divorce negatively affects the home. It affects the church. 
and the, it affects the society and the world at large. So divorce is the dissolution or termination of uh, one's marriage. That is not God's plan for the church. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, verse 31 and 32, it says, Ephesians 5:31-32 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So you can see that, that the, the marriage is a symbol of a relationship between, uh, between the church and Christ. And so if you distort that picture, you distort the image of what the home relation, the relationship between husband and wife should be, then what are you presenting to the world? We are to present that relationship to the world, that relationship between the church and Christ, and let the world know that it's a permanent relationship. So the home is a symbol. The relationship between husband and wife is a picture of what our relationship is with Christ. So divorce coming in distorts that picture. And this is why as ministers we should work on our home. Let our home stand strong. Let our home be healthy so that the homes of members of the church can also be healthy. And imagine a pastor's wife going to tell members, this is what my husband did me yesterday. He beat me, he slapped me, we fought, and then it will spread. It will spread. Even if the wife doesn't say it, neighbors will get to know, or maybe some friends will get to know, and then members of the church will get to know. I mean, you won't even be able to preach about the whole. You won't have that confidence to preach about it because they all know that you have a problem in your home. So if we can work on our home and we keep to the covenant we have made with our spouses, then it will help the church. It will, it will, it will, it will result into healthy family relationship in the church. And then the world will also be positively affected. So, uh, if God was a, I mean, if God was a witness to your marriage vows, you will be dishonoring him if you divorce. If God was there the day you took those vows, God was a witness when you were taking vows with your partner, then you'll be dishonoring him when, if, if you now begin to think about divorce. Malachi uh, chapter 2. 14 to 15, there God says he hates divorce. He hates divorce. So divorce is a breach of, what, of God's will for the marriage. Divorce is a breach of God's will for the marriage. So the reason for chaos and unrest today is because couples have failed to raise healthy homes that can positively influence the younger generation. You know, the chaos we have, the unrest we have today is because couples have failed 
to raise healthy homes. Children are affected, and so we can't control them. They go into the society and misbehave. Even ministers' children, <laughs> because the, the, the home is faulty, they go out and misbehave. And then our relationship is meant to be permanent, so let's walk towards it. Let's believe God. Let's trust God to keep our homes and um, not allow divorce to set in. You know, divorce affects children a lot. It affects children. Divorce affects children. No child wants divorce for parents. There's no child that wants it. There's no child that wants it. And so let's protect our children by not even thinking about it. You know, it's getting so rampant in the church today. You see ministers divorcing. See ministers having issues in their home <laughs> because they are so busy outside that they hardly have time for the home. A lot of ministers' wives are, 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 are crying, you know. They, they, let me say, they, they are suffering because of this. They don't cry out. I know a few ministers' wives that have committed suicide. Some of them don't cry out. Some of them get frustrated, go into depression. They don't have people to talk to. You know, in an attempt to protect their husbands, they can't talk to church members. And so they just keep it to themselves. And then you see them going through depression. Let's, let's pay attention on their homes. Ministers, let's give attention to our homes. That's our primary assignment. So no child wants divorce for parents. The future of the church is in the godly seed. Just as the future of trees are in the seed, the future of the trees you see all over the place is in the seed. If you I have uh, fruits in the compound. You know, sometimes after enjoying those fruits, I keep the seed to see how I can plant them. The future of the of trees are in the seed. So the future of the church is in the godless seed that we raise. The future of the church is in the godless seed that we raise. So God has his mind on godly children that will pass knowledge of his word from one generation to the other. So God is, you know, his eyes are on our seat, our children, for the future. So if we, uh, if we have uh, issues in our homes and um, we are not able to raise our children in the fear of God, it will, it, will, uh, it, 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 it will not meet up with God's expectation and his plan for the future generation. So God is expecting us to raise godly children that will marry and also raise uh, uh, godly children. I've seen some ministers' children today, few of them that I, I, I am aware of, that are even afraid to marry. They're even afraid to marry because of what they have seen in their home, what they have seen, the way the parent, the father, and the mother relate with the mother. They are afraid to marry. Can we, can we be models to our children, that our children will desire to marry godly people? 
desire to bring in godly uh, uh, men, you know, or godly women. So if we are modest to our children, they, then that will help them to make right, uh, right choices of uh, whom to marry. So the divorce may deny the children from the training both parents are supposed to give them. So once there is divorce, you know, some of the children will be shared and then the, 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 both parents will not be there for them. So God's purpose to affect the society through the family units will not be defeated. God has his plan, you know, to use families to, to affect more families, to affect the society and the world at large. So if we are not able to uh, concentrate and then build a strong family relationship, we we'll discover that uh, that purpose or that plan will be defeated. And these children that are, uh, you know, the, 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 that have become victims, you know, because uh, the, the father may not be there or the mother may not be there, and then we expose them to emotional tumor of uh, depression, you know. Some of them get confused. Some of them have this constant anxiety. So we expose them to a lot of hazards. And some of them just get withdrawn. Some of them, you know, going to serious depression. So we, we really need to, to do everything possible to avoid divorce. Let's keep our home healthy so that we can have children that, you know, that, that, will, be, that, that will be raised in a healthy family and they too you know, will be happy to raise a, a healthy family and then let it run from one generation to the other. I had healthy, I mean, I, mean, I had uh, parents who were believers and they raised us up in, 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 in the fear of the Lord. All of us, all my siblings, were, we were seven, though we are six, now all of us are ministers. All of us are ministers. My children, they are ministers. Even my husband's uh, family, his parents were, were I mean, they, had, they, they, they served the Lord. And they raised all their children in the fear of all of them to our ministers. So, and God is expecting my own children to, to, have, to raise their own children in his fear. And I can see my, you know, my daughter doing that with her children. And it is expected that our own children, who are raised in the fear of the Lord, should also marry godly people and raise their own children from one generation to the other. That is God's expectation for every family. And so let's see what we can do as ministers to make it happen for God. Hallelujah. The third point, the third point is um, the role the minister's wife and woman play in the world at large is, is determined by godly children you are able to raise for God. The godly children you are able to raise for God. The first point I, I talked about has to do with your marriage, so what you can do to keep your marriage healthy. Number two, I said avoid divorce. 
pray against it. Don't let it cross your mind at all. Number three is how uh, God is expecting you to raise godly children. God is expecting you to raise godly children. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. Malachi 2.15 reads, As not the Lord made them one, in flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. God does not want a diapers. God wants the, 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 the family to be intact. God wants the family to be healthy. God wants us to raise godly children. The future, I mean, the future of the church is in the children we're able to raise for God. God has brought you and your husband together so that you can give back to children that you can train in the fear of the Lord and then raise them to fear God to, and also to serve God all the days of their lives. And they to being able to raise their own children in the fear of the Lord. Now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. 2 Timothy 1 5. It says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Now, you can see that it's a responsibility to raise godly children. It's our responsibility to raise godly children. Not even the church. You as parents, that's your responsibility. Some will say, Pastor, that I send my children to church. Why are they behaving this way? Why are they not behaving as uh, godly children? <laughs> that's your primary assignment as parents. Don't blame pastor if you're if, I mean, don't blame some the school, uh, the school church pastor for not helping you to raise your children. That's your number one assignment. Now we can see what Timothy, I mean Paul, wrote about Timothy. He was trying to bring to his uh, memory that uh, Lois was a woman of faith. Let me read it again. Let me read from Amplified Version. Amplified Bible says, I'm calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith, the leaning of your entire personality on God, wisdom and goodness, a faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm fully persuaded dwells in you also. Now, you know, Paul took note of the faith in the life of Lois. He said it was a genuine faith. He said, That's, that faith I saw in Lois. I saw it in Eunice. The same faith, the same faith. What I saw in Lois is also in the daughter. <laughs> it's also in the daughter. And I know that that same faith continues. So the faith that started with Lois was in Eunice and continued. 
and was seen in Timothy. That fits. That fits. That fits. You know, Amplified Version explains it further. You know, that, that, it says, uh, I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith. You know, when you talk about faith, if you read different versions of the Bible, some will call it genuine faith, sincere faith, honest faith, which is to say that faith was an honest one. It was sincere. It was consistent. It was reliable. It was authentic. It was faith that practices what it believed. It was faith that much, uh, it, it was uh, uh, faith that does not give up in times of trials and tough times. It was faith that produces miracles. That faith that produced miracle in, in the life of Lois, it also produced miracle in the life of uh, Eunice. And I can see that same faith operating in you. That faith that gives strength in terms of weakness. That faith that is hopeful, that things will be better. I have seen uh, Lois operating that faith. That even when in the times of trials, in terms of temptations, in terms of difficulty, the way she stood so strong, the way she didn't give up, the way she wasn't discouraged, I saw it. It's operated in the life of Eunice. The Eunice too was so strong in her faith. Her faith was consistent. It was genuine. She didn't give up when she should have given up. She didn't say no. I won't continue in this relationship. I am tired. She remained and believed that this hope will stand strong. She didn't give up. In such a situation where things will be going, you know, you, ha you have difficult times, and your children will see you, you know, standing so strong in your faith, not giving up. And they hear you confessing the word of God. We shall live and we shall not die. We shall live to declare the works of the Lord. And that God will meet all our needs according to his riches in glory. You going to your storehouse, not finding what to, I mean, not finding enough food stock here. And say, my, my, my store is full of good things. We will not lack any good thing in this house. And they keep hearing you confessing the word of God. In difficult times, they will never hear you speak anything negative. But confessing God's word, it shall be well with us. We will not give up. And then they see, you know, miracles happening. And then it strengthens their faith. When they leave your house, they will remember that faith that operated in you. And you will see them too operating that same faith. See them operating the same faith. I remember some few weeks ago, I was uh, talking with a lady about. Uh, you know, at home, uh, she was saying, uh, somebody visited my daughter. And uh, the person was commending my daughter that, oh, that, 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 that lady, she's so good. She took good care of me. She, she was very considerate. She, that she, he commended her so much. And um, so I said, yes, I was just, I, 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 I liked it. And uh, I, was, I was happy, you know, because 
So when I now called my daughter, I said, this is the commendation. She was, so, she was just laughing. She said, Mommy, there's from you. I picked it now. When in our house, we have so many visitors. Uh, the way we were, I mean, the way we attended to visitors in the house, I learned so many things from the whole. So there's so many things she picked, so many things she learned from, from the whole before she got married. And so that, that thing that she, she, she experienced in our home, in my home, you know, that same experience is seen in our home. And now she's training her children. Some of the virtues were imparted into her. She's imparting those virtues into her children. So that was what Paul saw. And he was fully persuaded. I know you will do well. Timothy, I know you will do well. Because the faith I saw in Lois, I saw that same faith in, in Eunice. And, and, and the same faith is operating in you. So I have no doubt you will not fail. I know you do well. What are we transferring to our children? What are they seeing in us? What, you know, some of us were, were raised up disciplined. You know, we had, I mean, we were trained. Our parents trained us. Our, our parents transferred a lot of virtues into us. But some of us are not really transferring these virtues to our own children. It's like we think uh, they are more civilized now. So <laughs> there's no need. Let them do whatever they want to do. Let them do what they feel like doing. And so we just leave them. And a child that is left to himself will definitely not, uh, not come out well. That's why the Bible says, um, you know, the rod of correction drives foolishness away from children. When you, if, if you don't train them, you don't correct them. The Bible says we teach a child the way he should go, and when he's old, they will not depart from it. So if we don't impart these virtues to our children, be, we won't be able to transfer any, you know, anything value to them. It's not the, the, the world you will keep for children that is as important as the factories you transfer into them. If, if you save for their tomorrow and you did not put in tangible virtues into these children, you discover that what, what any material thing you keep for them will really not last. It is what you have put into them, the virtues you transferred into these children that will last. So let's make time with our children. Let's pursue godly living and the raising of godly children. Of course, you cannot give what you do not have. It is what you have that you can give out. So if you don't have those virtues, of course, you can't transfer any virtue to them. So let's um, build and develop ourselves so that we can positively influence our children. So uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So let's teach them. Before they leave us, let's, you know, impact their lives. Because God is, you know, God's eyes are on those children for the future. So let's prepare them for God. Proverbs chapter 1, 8 to 9. Proverbs chapter 
one. It's like I have spent more, uh, my time. I think I should be concluding. Uh, but let me just just give me five more minutes. Proverbs one eight to nine says, "Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck." So the instructions we give our children will go a long way to beautify their lives, to beautify their lives, to beautify their lives. The word of God we give to them, the word of God we use in teaching and training them, will beautify their lives for the future. Then Proverbs chapter 31, 26 to 27 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So we should instruct our children, you know, with wisdom and loving. Our instructions should be out of love. Let's lovingly instruct them and also exhibit wisdom, exercise wisdom. I was so blessed with uh, the teaching uh, one of uh, the speakers gave yesterday on the on the, on the uh, how to care for children. And uh, uh, I was so impressed with that teaching, and I, I, I'm planning to send it to my daughter so that she can also be blessed by that message. So godly parents actually produce godly homes. Godly parents produce godly homes, so we should be godly parents. That your pastor doesn't give you a godly home. That your minister does not uh, give you godly homes. It is the word of God that is being taught that is being practiced in the home, that makes your home godly. You can be a pastor, yeah, your husband is a pastor, wife is a pastor, and then it doesn't pro- that doesn't produce a godly home. It is God's word in operation, in the home, that makes it godly. So God's word in the home is what makes the home godly. Not because you are pastors, not because you are ministers. It is the word of God in operation, it is the teaching and training and the practice of those scriptures that makes their home godly. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 to 9, you know, says, And this word that I command you today shall be on your heart. The word of God shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you arise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as front, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is what makes the home godly, that you have the word of God in your heart, and you're able to transfer them, transfer God's word to your children. You're able to teach your children diligently. You talk about God's word in the home, and you're able to follow it up to see them practicing the word of God. That's what makes the home godly. And once the home is godly, the children will be godly. Let's produce godly children for the future of the church. So be an example of godly living in your home. Be an example. That is not when children will be separating father and mommy 
from you know from the fight. Don't fight before them. Don't uh, uh, criticize each other before the, pray, the before the children. Be a model to them. Be a model. You know. Be a model to your children. Let them be able to imitate your lifestyle and spirits. Raise them up in a loving environment and demonstrate your love to them. Let them desire to produce godly seeds too. Let them desire what they have seen in your home. So the, your children should see the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in the home. They should see their parents as a bit self-control, forgiveness, love, patience, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Let them see expression of the fruit of the Spirit in the home so that they too will want to, you know, live such life. Uh, let me end up with this in conclusion. As a minister, do not confide in members of your church. Don't confide in them. If you need to, if you have issues, personal issues, speak to your mentor, speak to your daddy or your mommy in the Lord. Don't go to church members to talk about the issues in your home, otherwise it will spread in the church and then um, you will not uh, uh, you will not be able to, to, to face them and it will also affect how they see you and how they receive your message. You know, you can be on the pulpit preaching, they already know your weaknesses and uh, there will be a, a block somehow and um, you may not be able to flow. And, and reach out to them. So don't, it's good to confide in your, your, your mommy and daddy or your mentor. And secondly, when you have misunderstanding with your spouse, it should not reflect on your face when you are in church. Maybe before you went to, you before going to church, you had misunderstanding. When you reach church, it should not, it should not show that uh, there's a problem. I remember I was in a church. My husband was invited in a church, to a church. I, I went with him. And then the wife had an issue with the husband. So when the husband was trying to introduce her, she took her face away to show that I'm really not angry with this man that is introducing me. And um, I picked it. <laughs> it was uh, later I realized what was the problem. So we don't have to show that there's, I mean, that there's problem between me and my husband. Don't show it to the church. Before going to church, I mean, you need to settle matters. Settle matters before going to church. Forgive each other before going to church. Remember this scripture, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being years together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not in that. You don't want your prayers to be hindered. You want God to honor your ministration. You want God to back it up. <laughs> Let's settle issues before going to church. Settle issues before you go to bed. Like a man of God said, uh, he said, since he married, I mean, the, both of them are late now. They, 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 I mean, that from the very day they married, they, they, went, they agreed with themselves that if there's any issue before we sleep, let's settle so that rapture will not come. In the night, when they are sleeping and they will miss heaven. So he said, before they sleep, they resolve any issue. So they don't sleep with offenses. 
So don't carry offenses because you are God's vessel. God needs to flow through you. When you carry offenses, you, you hinder the flow. So uh, finally, let's encourage family altar. Let's encourage family altar where we have opportunity to worship God together, to pray together, and to teach God's word. And you are able to also instill discipline during family altar. It will help the church, I mean the family, to stay together and also to be united. I pray that with uh, this teaching, God will help us to to have a healthy home and also to be able to fulfill our ministry successfully in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for your word that has gone forth. We pray, Lord, that you honor your word in every life that has listened to me. I pray, O oh Lord, that you back up your word and fulfill your desires in our lives and in our homes and ministries to the glory of your holy name, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma. Thank you so much, ma. We've been mightily blessed by the wisdom that has proceeded from your mouth. As you have watered, Lord will watered you too, in Jesus' name. We have been mightily blessed. May the Lord continue to increase you in grace, in ability, in Jesus' name. I will now invite our own very mother, the president of the Woman of Rare Destiny worldwide. She has been, we can see her tenacity, and the way God has engraced her and enabled her since she has been taking this topic, Woman, you are beautified by his glory. Every time she comes on this topic, she takes another dimension to it. And the Lord will continue to increase you, ma. Thank you so much. Let's fast in our seat beds and get ready to take off as we give, put our hands together to welcome our mother in the Lord. Thank you so much. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I really want to say thank you to Reverend Mrs. Akaba for that uh, great words and intelligent words of wisdom and knowledge. The grace of God will continue to increase in your life. In Jesus' name. You see, I said to us that I cannot just be just anybody, not ordinary people. And uh, I thank God that uh, all my women and many that are watching tonight are prepared to receive from you. And I know that the word of God that you have spoken tonight will germinate and it will never, never leave us. When next you see us and you see my women, you will see that this word has really done a lot of transformation in our life. So I want us to put our hands together again for our beloved Reverend Mrs. Ackerman. She has done a good job. She cannot come down. She has done a good job. She cannot come down. We pray for increase in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in everything that you do in Jesus' name. Without wasting time tonight, I just want to talk a few things about women who are beautified by his glory. You can see from the ministration of the man of God that she has already prepared us for Sunday, for Saturday. She has already prepared us for Saturday. So, all gear up in Jesus' name. So, come ready for Saturday. Introduce her home. You know, I always say to us that uh, good chicken lays good eggs. She introduced her home. 
at home and she introduced her daughter. She knew everything about herself. So she's a woman of great example. So everything that she has said tonight, I want you to take it on board and do exploits then in Jesus' name. So woman, you are beautified by his glory. He said to us that it is not your makeup, it is not that eyeshadow, it is not that powder. We are ordinary skeletons. We are bones. The man of God showed you the picture of the bone and the skeleton the other time. And if we, if we as skeleton goes on the road, we run for each other. We will be, yes, it's showing it on the screen now. Some of you might not see it, but look at that, look at that bone. You can imagine if we are like this, we're going on the street, no eyes, no flesh, nothing. That is who we are. Powder cannot even stand on our faces. It will be, if a skeleton starts walking on the road, people will run away. That is who you are. But it pleases God to make us who we are. It pleases God to make us beautiful. And he said in that scripture that we are wonderfully and beautifully made. We are wonderfully, we are pillars. He even said we are pillars, cast are done our palaces. God has made us at salt. Your salt in their youth will be like well nutted land. And their daughters like pillars, cast are done palace. So God has caused us to adorn everything that God has done. To adorn our home, to adorn the church. He has not created us to create trouble all around. He has not created us as skeletons to scare people. There are many people today. You're, you think you are beautiful and they use their makeup to scare other people. May God help us as we listen to this tonight. Just want to chip in a few things. It's time for me to talk about addressing. And if I can chip it in, I'll talk about our hair as well. He said, in this day and age, that Satan has become the tailor of the world. And causing men to be worldly. It's Satan that is throwing some clothes for people. You see people after showing a beautiful dress, what they now do, I thought we'll be showing you a picture of this later on, maybe uh, in, in uh, other meetings because of time, I just want to go straight to the point. They open their shoulder, Christian women, you open their, they cut, they cut the shoulder and let it increase again. Christian women, you open, thank God, you know, I know sometimes it's cold or it's too hot. They will open the 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 that even they have not shaved the armpit and everywhere will be showing. That is not, that is not good at all. Satan, if you allow that, Satan has become your tailor. With so many satanic styles to expose ourselves, some people, they slit their, their long dress, it comes up to their lap. When they sit down, they'll be provoking on men sitting around them. May God help you. Our clothes are meant to be made to cover our nakedness. Therefore, we cannot expose our body. You cannot. And in that book of Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, it says a woman must not wear men's clothing. Not a man wear women's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. So what are men's clothing? What are women's clothing? In our society today here, you know like, uh, if you look at the Asians, they have their trousers, they know how they sew their trousers, it covers the whole part of their body. Women's trousers, because in this generation, in this um, world that we are here, we are allowed to wear trousers, men are allowed to wear trousers. And if you wear trousers, it must not be tight on you today. Many people wear trousers. And you know, you, you know that you are one, you, you have excesses around your waist. You still wear that trousers, then you push your bum at the, at the back because you want to fall some men. Or you want to, you, you just want to do your, you, 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 you want to show Satan's glory, not God's glory. But your body has been prepared for God's own glory. 
So tight trousers, like skinny jeans. There are some people that they are slim, they are slender in the way God has made them. They wear some of these things and they get away with it. But what is who you that is uh, beautifully plump? What are you looking that you are wearing skinny jeans? Jogging bottoms. When we go to do exercise, what type of jogging bottoms do you wear? We thank God for sport years, but be very careful to choose the one that is best for you, that fits you. As we wear them, we must not expose our body, thereby exposing contours. You can see people's shape, their belly. We show about three forms. When your belly is supposed to be like prime pan, when your belly is supposed to be like pancake. Some of us that are blessed with their senses, you must know the size that fits your shape, so that you don't expose your body at all. It's God's glory. You must be considerate when we buy or choose our clothing and make sure that the contours of the body figure are not exposed of our body. Or you must not make them to show. What do I mean? You must buy right sizes. The right size that fits our shape. Some of us, it's A-line that fits our shape. You don't look at Mrs. A and say that, look, Mrs. A is wearing that clothes. Uh, to me. Look at your own type of style. Some of us, you are beautifully plump. Look at your own style. And today, some open, you wear clothes that will open your breast. They just want the breast to show. So what do some people do? They now cut it. They cut it vicious. The vicious will open their, 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 their breast. Who are you pleasing? Are you pleasing God? Or you are pleasing Satan? You must not wear clothes designed by Satan. Satan himself is using a lot of his messenger on earth now to, 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 to sew clothes. God's glory is for us. So therefore, we must comfort ourselves in what we wear, how we look, how we dress, or attitudes towards God or towards fellow brothers and sisters. What does the Bible say about our hair? And our body. There's not much time. I'm just putting all this. Apostle has inspired me now. I have so many books that I've written, but I've not printed them out. Now that Apostle has said it to you, well, the books are coming out in Jesus' name. Amen. How does the Bible, well, what does the Bible say about her hair and her body? A woman's hair is her glory, given to her by God for a covering. If God calls hair a glory, you should really care for it. If your hair is your glory, you must care for it. And not be careless in maintaining hair. Today, many have used several chemicals on their hair and have damaged their hair. Even on their children's hair, they use chemicals. And as these children go through, the children are growing older and their hair is looking ugly. Our hair is supposed to be our glory. As Christians, you must be known for moderation in grooming our hair. In maintaining and caring all the, the way we look after our hair. It is a gift, it is a glory from God. So let us take care of our hair. Thank God for weed. The weed today have really, really making women not to even care for their hair anymore. Once you carry the weed, Yes, the wig is there for us to be able to, sometimes when you are too busy, you just put it there so I can quickly get out and quickly come into the house. 
It's not that you should use it like a, something that you used to condemn your own natural hair that God has given to you. Today, many don't groom their hair anymore. It's only the weave that they are grooming. They use attachment, attachment for everything. Attachment for this, attachment for that. No. I was, I, I was at this uh, John Wesley uh, uh, place in London here. We saw, because they showed the picture of how they used to go to minister. We saw the, we saw the picture of the wig that they put on so that they can make work. They don't depend on combing here and everything. They put their wig to go and, to, to, to go and, uh, to go and minister. So that wig, hair doesn't waste their time. Because they need to groom the hair and do it, but the, the, it has been groomed already. And they just put it on. That's what you do. Your wig, you, you must not pay too much attention on the wig, 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 wig. And then the next thing, your hair is spoiled. Your hair is meant for God's will. As Christians, we must be moderate. The Bible also says that a body is a temple of the living God. When we live a righteous lifestyle, it will help us to reflect God's glory. What does the book of First Peter, chapter 1, 14, I read 14 to 17, it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desire you had when you live in ignorance. What are the evil desires? You know what you used to do. You are now talking, I'm, I'm, I'm talking uh, with this according to the way you, we use our body, the way we use chemicals to, 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 to distract our body, the way we use uh, a wig or attachment to pull the normal hair that God has given to us. I'm not against it, but let the wisdom of God tell you what to do. Sometimes we carry, we carry a, 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 a wig on our head, head, and it's like, we, we, we now start to demonstrate. Some people use that wig, a wig, to cover the beauty, the glory of the clothes that they wear. Now what they are doing, they look on television, television Satan has become the person that dresses them. And then you carry your hair, you carry it to one side. You use it to cover one side of the beautiful clothes that you have worn. Some use their hair, I've seen it in weddings. They now use their hair, they wear clothes that are exposed at the back, and they now use the wig to cover the, the to cover that. They really want to show it. But who are you deceiving? May God help us in the way we, we carry our, our, our hair and in the way we, we apply things to our, to our body. He said, but just as he who called us is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Because God is holy, you cannot afford to make this temple of God unholy. The way we use our body is important. You cannot continue to commit adultery, fornication, and all the rest of that. That you are not bringing glory to God. You are only bringing glory to Satan. Since you, since you call on a father who judges every man's work impartially, Leave lives as stranger here in reverent fear. We, we have a, we belong to a home, an everlasting home. So if we continue to leave the lifestyle of this world, there is no way you can go to that home. A lot of people, young ones have left home to go and leave the lifestyle of prodigal children, of prodigal children. May God help us in this area. Therefore, a righteous lifestyle is what we need to reflect God's glory. We must live a righteous lifestyle if you want to reflect uh, God's glory. Women are advised not to have an outward adornment 
but to use such argument to emphasize what is within. And that you can see in that book of 1 Peter chapter 3, 3 to 4. How do you beautify yourself as a godly person? Now I conclude. Think of your excessive makeup. I want you to begin to think now. Think of your revealing clothings or see-through attires. You know, some of you, what you do this day, you will now wear those clothes. May God help every one of us. Because when you are, when, when Satan has become our tailor, guess what happens? They are the one. This time we get into the mind of the things that are sewing. You have transparent clothing. Instead of lining it up, you don't line it up at all. Or you those nail patches to make sure that those nets are really dealt with. Then we are seeing your body. So who are you pleasing? Tell me. Who are you pleasing? Parents should look at their children. Ah, I don't want to say this on uh, here. Because that, that, that is a way that I did something to somebody. Even the, the person was like, ah, ah, you are talking slow to rag. I say, better be rag. You understand? So may God help us. When we dress, you must not, you know, Satan has brought a lot of passion into the world. If you don't see your body, no. Your body is only meant if you are married to your husband and for God. If you are not married, your body is meant for God. How do you beautify yourself as a godly person? So if you think of your makeup, think of your revealing clothes, or see through, I call it see through attires. And some other way that we make up. We must watch out and make sure that in our style and beauty, we are modest. It must be modest. And in our style and beauty, we must be fair. And this should reflect our character, also our traits as well, in the way we dress. A lot has been said. You read the book of Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, because of time. And it says in that book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 3 to 7, your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as braided hair and wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine jewelry. Someone has asked me this question. Does it mean we should not do all these things? I will tell you that you must not do it excessively. Let it be moderate. As the, the Bible wants it to be moderate. And you must follow the Bible, you must follow the scriptures. It's not that you should not braid your hair. You can braid your hair, but when you braid your hair, make sure you don't braid your hair and then the thing is getting up to your bones. That is getting into the world. Braid your hair according to your, your own hair. This is the size of your hair. Don't carry hair that is more than your own. You are lost in. That is lost in. Some of you go and buy with the wig is so much that it's everywhere. It's not, if, if they look at your hair, it's not like that. You must be moderate in anything that you do. But the only goes will grant you the grace. Some of you will put color in your hair. If your hair is not ginger, how can you be putting ginger color? Or you go and buy ginger. Some people are looking older than their age because they are carrying white wigs up and down. Some people spray their hair like white. I look at them. I say, why? Some people want to be like uh, white people. White people God has created their hair for them already. Their hair is colored to their skin, to match their own skin. So how come you go and put ginger in your hair? Are you, is your hair, is your natural hair ginger? You must be very careful. That you, are, you make yourself beautiful to expose God's glory. You don't make yourself beautiful to expose Satan. Instead, you should say, instead, uh, 
wearing of gold and uh, jewelry and all the rest of that. You must wear it moderately. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, your fading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It should, it should be from within. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaker, the body reveals, I will say. It's what you are thinking in your head that is revealing your dressing. How does God view your dressing? Instead, it should be that of the inner self, your fading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which is of great worth in God's sight. But this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. May God help us to make ourselves beautiful for God's glory. They were submissive to their own husband. The one of God said a lot here today. Some of you, you are God's wayward to your husband. May God grant you the grace and the wisdom. Troublesome to your husband. Make your husband unhappy. Some husbands are making their wives unhappy. How do you look? Don't you see Mrs. B? How was your husband? You just run down your, your wife. You know, we must be very careful. And the Lord will help us. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and call him her master. And I always show you this example. A lot of you, I, I use Sarah for my husband. And in this church, we don't call John. We don't call uh, Abraham. We don't call, no, we don't call people by their name. Look for a sweet name that you call your husband. Some of you have changed. Some call honey. Some call darling. Some call IY. Some call, you know, just to respect your husband. And you must give them a certain name. I use sir. Because towards the end of this scripture, you see that Sarah's called the husband, my lord. It's easy for people to call the judges, my lord, outside there and everywhere. It's easy. It's very, very easy. But to call their husband, their lord at home is called, eh? Who's lord? Hey, hey. Yeah. You know, they, they misbehave to their husband. May God help us. The Lord will grant us the grace. He said, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughter. If you do what is right and do not give way to fear, you will all do what is right. Because when you start to call your husband uh, by with the special, why are you doing that? This way, there's no problem. There's no problem. I can't. All these things. You must not be wayward. May the Lord help us. We want to reflect the beauty of God so that the, 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 it can be seen, the glory can be seen in our life. Husband, in the same way, be uh, uh, considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner as, and as hair with you or, uh, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Many prayers have been hindered today. Many are not treating their husbands, they are not treating their wives with respect. When we treat each other with respect, I tell you, the glory will be more revealed. Many men have made their wives to look ugly. I want you to keep this quickly. I want the men are watching. Why? Because of the way they treat or describe, or because of the way they describe them. Because of this act, such women look down on themselves and they become stressed and their beauty fades away gradually. May your beauty not fade away in the name of Jesus. So I end up with this. Let us take care of each other. Let us do what is right. The Bible says whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is of good report, you should think about it. There are some lovely things I've said yesterday. All those uh, dress we used to wear, all those tight jeggings we used to wear, all those uh, uh, hairstyles we used to wear, all the type of makeup, I call it witchcraft type of makeup, 
you know, that used to wear that is not moderate at all, especially when we are having weddings, you see a lot of wonders. Even the eye, uh, eye, what do you call that in the game? Eyeshadow or eyeliner or eye mascara of the bride can throw the ministers uh, to the other side of the altar. You don't want such. The way your breast, some of you, the way you cut your clothes and the whole body is showing. I used to say this to God now when I'm counseling them. If your clothes is exposed, don't expect me and my husband to take picture with you. You won't take picture with you because you don't want to spoil your day, but I think that just call someone else to come and help you. You understand? So be very, very considerate on anything that you do. And the Lord Almighty will help us in Jesus' name. There are many, many more things to say, but I just rest my case here. When next we, we meet, Apostle is going to show you pictures of various clothes that are worn in the body of Christ. I said something to us. Because this is convention, it's a time to tell ourselves the truth. When you don't dress well now, they will go and sit you somewhere in the church. You don't come and sit. You will sit you somewhere. They won't tell you to go home because you want to hear the message. You will not sit down. If you're a woman, you don't dress well. And you just will keep you to one side of the place. If you don't want to be taken out to be uh, to, 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 to be uh, uh, taken to sit somewhere that you make sure that you dress well. You are not going to be looking at you, but where are people that will be at the door looking at you now? Just know in this convention, our lifestyle must change. Our beauty must be to reveal God. Our beauty must not get into our heads. Vashti's beauty. I didn't have time today. I would have uh, look at that. Got into her head. And she lost the throne. Let your duty not get into your head so that we don't lose God. And we can make heaven to the end. So the Lord bless us, may the Lord keep us. In all these things that we are hearing, let us make use of them. Let us not be hearers alone, but be doers of the world. And the Lord Almighty will help us to be able to do what God wants us to do. And can I round up with this? want to thank you, all you women. And I want to tell you that testimonies that are coming up for you. Everybody say, everybody look like you. And I'm happy to hear such testimonies. The way your women look, the way they, 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 they comport themselves, I'll be having this text coming. And I want to encourage you women, continue to look good. Amen. You can see what I'm teaching you that you are demonstrating. And people are seeing outside there. Continue to look good. In the way you cover yourself, the way you you dress. It has a lot to do. You know, and the Lord Almighty. I just want to share that testimony so that you can you you you, you can know that you are doing a great job and we cannot come down. You have said you have been on a height. There is no way we can come down. The women, ah, they, they are just them wearing your big clothes. Everybody that has been living here, they are watching you, marking what you do, hearing the things you say. Let the spirit of God let it dwell really in you. So that you can reflect more and more of his glory. The Lord Almighty bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you. And may the Lord give you rest. I rest my case in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. As I call the man of God, Apostle William. Yes. You can do better than that. Amen. Yeah, Amen. This is my blowing. We are being blessed by God beyond our wildest dream. I want, I want us to pray because we cannot do necessarily without praying, addressing issues that God has spoken. In the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual art of worship. So your body, the way you treat your body, the way you look, the way you dress, must not be pleasing to you or to man, but to God. And if you are the spirit of God, what pleases God is what will please your, 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 yourself too. And then he says in verse 2, to help us have a boundary line. And that's how we're going to pray. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And what you hear from both speakers is that worldliness has entered the heart of many believers. End of it is lack of paradise. If anybody walks on earth, contrary to the way that God has ordained, even if you say you believe in Jesus, it will be very, very strange. When Jesus will ask you, if you believe in me, why didn't you obey me? Do not conform to the pattern of the world. And the pattern of the world we are talking about here. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we are going to pray. Father, help me to renew my mind daily by the word of the living God. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Our God and King will pray me. In these last days that Satan is deceiving so many people. There is so much deception in the world. Jesus said narrow is the way. Only few go to it. You can never judge the right way by looking at how many people are going in that way. The Holy Spirit inside you, if you allow him, convicts you of sin or judgment or righteousness. And we auto, we auto, if you want God's mercy for your life, then conform no longer with the pattern of the world. Father, transform us, transform us, renew our heart, renew our heart, renew our heart. God, renew our mind, renew our mind, renew the way we do things. We are not here to please anybody. We are here to please only you, oh God. Lord, empower us in our inner man. Father, we bless you. Let what, let our heart love what you like. That our mind will love what God likes. Not what the world is dictating. In the name of Jesus. Satan controls the world. We will not go along with his control. In the name of Jesus. Our addressing shall be simply reasonable before God. If an appearance that defeats somebody who is said to be Religion. That is the scripture. Transform the mind of everyone that is under this. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying. And I heard very clearly also from the two speakers, and especially from the beginning, we are going to do more of this um, later on. The first speaker spoke about marriage, a lot more about marriage. Interesting. And the Bible says in the book of Malachi chapter 2 verse 16, I hate divorce, says the Lord, God Almighty. And I hate a man covering himself with violence, as well with the garments, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. So the issue of divorce emanates from human spirits. If Satan cannot get your mind, he cannot get your heart. If he cannot get your heart, he will not get your spirit. This is what we have been Dealing with for the past two months in Christ's tabernacle. Mm. So, if a Christian decides to do what God hates, then you hate God. Mm. And you cannot expect God's mercy. At all, you cannot expect God's mercy. So, we're going to pray. It means that that Christian has been deceived by Lucifer. Mm. That Father, help us, O God, to guard our hearts. Mm. If anybody is on the plan to, to, to go and disobey God, 
and divorce. We break it and we stop it. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Oh, Father, Father, in the name, name of Jesus Christ, heart, you said you hate divorce. Oh, you said you hate and Lord, you said you should guard our spirit. Lord, I pray for many so Lord, God, our spirit, oh God, that our spirit will not be oppressed by Satan. Guard our heart, our mind, and the way we think, the way we do things. Our actions and our spirit. Anyone that is under our voice that is intending to divorce, we stop that divorce in the name of Jesus. We pray for a renewal of heart and mind. Father, a conviction to the heart of those people so that they will submit to the counsel of God. A Christian cannot and should not do what God hates. Give them, Lord, obedient heart that they will not break faith. In the name of Jesus, help us to be renewed in our heart and mind and submit to God. That your name be glorified. So, Father, we pray to Thank you, Lord. We see the divorce people. In the name of Jesus, anointed name we are praying. And let us think right in God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The last prayer we are going to pray is about our children. That's, that's a word continue to echo again and again about our children. And we're going to pray for the children. It says in the book of Isaiah 59 verse 21, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my word that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or the mouth of your children or the mouth of your children's children. And we tell God, it's your covenant. Let your word in us and your spirit upon us be upon our children and our children's children. The second scripture says, the children of your servant will live in your presence. That is Psalm 102 verse 28. Their descendants will be established before you. We're going to pray, Lord, we pray. These days, Satan is shipwrecking many people. A lot of people are brought up in Christian homes, well brought up, well-trained, fortified. After some time, when they're growing older, we have seen some that shipwreck and listen to deceivers. And we're going to pray for them. That, Father, we pray that our children will live in your presence. Our descendants will be established before you. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Every spirit of hell against our children will banish them. Our children will live in the presence of God. They will obey the God that we serve. You give our children the spirit of obedience. Our descendants will be established before you. That our generation to the 1,000 generation will serve the Lord in the name of Jesus. Every trick of Satan to shipwreck them, to destroy them, we destroy the name of Jesus Christ. We speak in the name of the Lord into their spirit. Our generation spirit, they will serve the Lord. They will be your presence. He said, my spirit who is on you and my word in your mouth will not depart from their mouth. The mouth of your children, Lord, the spirit you have put upon us. And your word in our mouth. Let it be in the mouth of our children. And in the mouth of our children's children. Our descendants forever. In the name of Jesus. The word of God shall rule over our life. It will rule over our family. It will rule over our children. 